here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. We are to accept other people the same way Christ accepted us. Throw the ledger away. Forget about keeping the account of all the wrongs done, all the things you're offended about. Jesus said, you are to love others the way I love you. Now, that does not mean that we simply blink at sin and turn our eyes the other way. No, no. There's a difference between acceptance and approval. In today's message, Pastor Ed talks about the importance of loving the way God has loved us. How has God loved us? Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are we as willing as God to love those who have sinned, even those who have sinned against us? This is not to say that we have to condone what someone else has done, but we are to accept them where they are and love them as Christ loved us. No one is sinned against more than God, and yet He loves in return. Will you? Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Loving God, Loving People. I want to draw your attention to an incredible command, a difficult command, an impossible command. I have to be honest, in preparing this morning's sermon, it wasn't easy. Because as I studied the scripture, again and again, I felt the voice of the Spirit say to me, you got to be more loving. you got to be more like my son Jesus. I don't know if any of you have had that experience, but I do know that Jesus doesn't command us to do something to frustrate us. He asks us to do something, and then he enables us to do it. Now, I'm just going to read a passage of Scripture, one verse of Scripture, from John chapter 13, verse 34. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Why was this commandment new? We're told in the Old Testament to love God and to love our neighbor. Again and again it says we're to love God, love our neighbor. Jesus lifted it higher. He raised the bar. He showed us by example what it meant to love our neighbor. And boy, that's incredible. Jesus didn't say to us, Love your neighbor, love others the best you can. Give it the best shot, best effort you have. He he didn't say, love those who will reciprocate your love. Uh, Love those who never hurt you. Didn't say any of that. He gave us one comparison. The way I have loved you, you love others. Wow, that's not easy. But that's what he told us to do. We are to accept others. I must accept others the way Jesus accepts me. Think about how this love was demonstrated. Now, I'm not going to have an opportunity to go through all the points this morning because of the time. But the three points I had was Jesus loves us and his love is seen in the way he accepts us, in the way he values us, and in the way he forgives us. Now, the way he accepts us, uh, I, I think about these early disciples. They were not the cream of the crop. I mean, fishermen, uh, some had trouble with putting their foot in their mouth. 
Others had hot tempers ready to call down fire and judgment when they went through Samaria and the Samaritans didn't receive Jesus. Uh, Still others betrayed Jesus. All of them, in a crisis moment, fled and left him on his own. No, they weren't the scholars, and if someone were looking for a really a great group of disciples, they're not going to go to the Sea of Galilee or find a tax collector or look for a revolutionary. I'm so glad that Jesus accepts everyday common people, that he embraces us with all our flaws, with all our faults, with all our failings, with all of our frailties. He simply accepts us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We hadn't done anything good. We were in rebellion against him, going our own way, but he loved us. I was talking to a friend and he was sharing with me how painful his memories were from childhood. And still at the age of 50 or in his 50s, they still come back to him. His parents were somewhat abusive of him. And they would say, you're stupid, you're dumb, you'll never accomplish anything. And they would berate not only him but his siblings. In fact, his sister in her late 30s, when she took her exams to become a nurse, as she was taking the exam, the words came back into her head, back into her mind, you're stupid, you can't do anything, her mother's voice. God is so caring and affirming. And even when we have the pain of memories of being rejected. There are times that in a marriage, when it splits, if it splits and dissolves, people come out of that with such pain and anguish and they're hurting. I think about growing up in the city. Uh, We'd always like playing games, but the part that most of us didn't like is when they picked out the teams, unless you were the best in that particular sport, because if you weren't, you were at the bottom of the heap, and they said, well, okay, I'll take Jones over here if you take these other two. I think that's a fair (laughs) trade-off. You know, something like that. We remember the feeling of rejection, God accepts us just as we are, and he doesn't reject us. He doesn't look at the outward. We do all that we can to sort of feel accepted. You know, the way we dress, the way we comb our hair, the way we carry ourselves. Uh, We don't want to feel rejection. We'll do anything to avoid that. But when you go to God, you can go with confidence that he has a gracious welcome for you, ready to accept you, ready to bring you to himself. G. Campbell Morgan, for any Bible school students or any preachers or pastors, that should be a fairly familiar name because he was one of the great preachers in church history. But when he went for his uh, preaching exam to be a minister In uh, Wesley's movement back in 1988, uh, he passed the doctrinal exam, but when it came to preach, and they were in a huge auditorium, when he came to preach, 
he didn't do very well. And just a couple of weeks later, he got a letter, along with 102 other people, rejected. He felt the call so deeply. He was despondent. He sent a note to his father, rejected. And he was writing in this diary, and just as he was writing at this time in his diary, his father had sent a message back to him, rejected on earth, but not in heaven. Rejected on earth, but accepted in heaven. And he went on to become one of the great preachers in the history of England. There are times that we smart under some feeling of rejection or pain, but God accepts us. God takes us in. You may have stumbled along the way. You have, may have faltered along the way. You may have messed up big time and you're bringing a whole bunch of baggage with you. But God accepts you just as you are. I love that song, that hymn, that especially think of the Billy Graham crusades when they would sing, just as I am. God takes us just as we are. He accepts us. And then the Bible tells us that if we understand God's love for us, we're to mirror that love to others. We're to demonstrate what God has shown us to each other. In Romans chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. You know the feeling that uh, some people you just don't get along with as well. How many of you work in an office, in a school, or in a business, or uh, you have somebody in a family, and they're an EGR person. Extra grace required. You know, you, you really got to, you know, and you say, boy, I, I really need grace to go. How many people know somebody like that? Now, if you don't, you may be that person. <laughs> so be careful. But God is saying, go the second mile. Be willing to reach out. Be willing to lift others up. Accept people. Accept them. I was reading a story about Richard Dorch. He was caught up in the fiasco, in the PTL scandal, and he had to go to jail. And for a number of years, he went to jail, and when he came out of jail, he felt so embarrassed, so disgraced, he just wanted to slip unaware into a church. And he went to Park Wesleyan Church. It's a large church. He sat in the back. And the Sunday morning, he happened to go and sit in the back. The pastor, right before he preached, called up a young lady by the name of Mandy. In her early 20s, she came running up the aisle onto the platform, and the pastor had two bouquets of roses for her and gave her the roses. And everybody started applauding. And Dorch is thinking, what in the world did she do that everybody's applauding her, they're acknowledging her? What did she do? And then the pastor said, Mandy's been away for two and a half years in Florida State Prison, and she had been involved in alcoholism and it was in an accident. And she had gone to prison for that. The pastor said, Mandy, how many letters did you receive while you were in prison those two years, two and a half years? She said, Pastor, I stopped 
counting after a thousand. Dorch said, when I heard that, I said to myself, this is the place I need to be. I need to be in this church where they're non-judgmental and they'll accept and they'll offer forgiveness. We are to accept other people the same way Christ accepted us. Throw the ledger away. Forget about keeping the account of all the wrongs done, all the things you're offended about. Jesus said, you are to love others the way I love you. Now, that does not mean that we simply blink at sin and turn our eyes the other way. No, no. There's a difference between acceptance and approval. Remember the woman caught in adultery? How she had been brought before Jesus in the Gospel of St. John? And they asked him, Lord, what do you want us to do? Uh, And they were hoping that Jesus would judge her. And Jesus just wrote in the sand and then he looked at them and said, whoever is without sin, let him throw the first stone. Now it's interesting that they didn't bring her companion. As far as I know, adultery takes two. I don't know, you know. But there she was. One by one after Jesus said, who's ever without sin, let him cast the first stone. They left and there she was alone. And he said, neither do I condemn you. But don't sin anymore. Repent. Turn from those sins. See, he accepted her. Didn't mean that he approved her behavior. And so we need of all people to be an accepting people. But it doesn't mean that you necessarily approve. You may have a son or a daughter who's gone far from God. You may have a friend that you know who's living in rebellion and disobedience to God. It doesn't mean that we just shut them out of our lives. We need wisdom, of course, in dealing with those situations. But there are times that you simply say, you know, I love you. I don't love what you're doing, but I love you. And more and more, the issues are becoming complex in the society that we live in. More and more, people are just really getting involved in things that they shouldn't. And their lives are so very complicated. And only God could just untangle the mess that people make. Second thing that I want us to look at, and briefly, I must value others the way Jesus values me. God values us. He put a price tag on us. It says in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, but the precious blood of Christ. God put a price on you. We tend to look at people in the natural. Oh, this person, maybe uh, they haven't accomplished much. This person, maybe they're not the most beautiful. This person, maybe they're not the most uh, sophisticated and they're rough around the on and on. And we begin to place a value on people by what they have, what they look like, what they've done. God loves that newborn child in our nursery. And God loves that older person in a nursing home who's dying of dementia. God loves each one of us and he doesn't value one above the other. But he values us and he's, he's 
made us a priority. And what Jesus is saying, I believe, is that we should love one another and we should value one another. There are so many people that suffer from a broken heart. They don't see themselves as worth much or valuable. But God sees them as valuable. When people are around you, they should feel good about themselves. We should make them feel that they are loved by God and loved by, by us. Now, uh, it was Josh McDowell who said, there's a real difference between tolerance and love. And he gives this analogy. Listen to it. Tolerance says, you must approve of what I do. Love responds, I must do something harder. I will love you even when your behavior offends me. Tolerance says, you must agree with me. Love responds, I must do something harder. I will tell you the truth because I'm convinced that the truth will set you free. Tolerance says, you must allow me to have my way. Love responds, I must do something harder. I will plead with you to follow the right way because I believe you are worth the risk. Tolerance seeks to be inoffensive. Love takes the risk. Tolerance glorifies divisions. Love seeks unity. Tolerance costs nothing. Love costs everything. In Ephesians 5.1, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. We will value others when we love them the way Jesus loved them. We will put a value on them. John Stott is one of the great preachers of our times. He pastored in London, but he has spoken all around the world, written numerous books. John Stott told about a time that he was preaching in South America. And he went into one of the cities, and there in the square, there was a statue of a local hero who delivered the people from the Spaniards during a time of war. But right across in the square was a huge cathedral with large stairs, a beautiful building, and he wanted to go in and see that church. And so he went up to the cathedral, walked up the stairs, and the doors were bolted closed. They were locked. As he walked back down the steps... He noticed three people sitting on the steps. One was a beggar who was trying to sell matchsticks. The other was a drunk who was lying in his own vomit. And the other was a woman who was a prostitute trying to sell her body. And he said in that moment, he thought about the church with the bolted doors closed and the people outside who are hurting. Jesus tells us that we are to love like he loved. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus, because he loved, gave his life on the cross for us. He loved us and he valued us when the world would have just wrote you off, forgotten you. God never does that. I remember hearing one of uh, the well-known preachers of our time, uh, Craddock, Fred Craddock. He was a great communicator, great preacher. 
he told a story about how when his wife and him had been on vacation one time, they went into a small community in Tennessee. And they were eating in sort of like a country store restaurant. And there was an older gentleman who was walking around talking to the different customers. And he stopped at Fred Craddock's table. He sat down with them and he said, well, tell me, what do you do? And Craddock said, I'm a preacher. He said, ah, I have a good preacher story to tell you. Craddock says, go ahead. He said, when I was a young boy, I didn't know who my father was. My mother was loose in the way she lived and she was involved with many men. But as I grew up, other children would make fun of me. Playing in the schoolyard, they'd laugh and say, Whose father is he? Whose father is his father? What family does he belong to? And he said, because of the constant mockery and jokes, I wound up becoming more of a loner by myself. And he said, then one day I heard there was a preacher who had come to town and he was a fine preacher. And I decided I'd go to church. I had never been in church before. I had never gone to church. And he said, I would go late and leave early. He said, I would go late and come early. But one day, as I went, I just wanted to listen to him. And I was so caught up in the sermon he was preaching. And he said, before I knew it, the sermon had ended. And the benediction was given. And I was getting ready to get up and go out. And I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I looked up and it was that huge, tall preacher. And then he said, son, whose boy are you? Whose son are you? He said, oh, no, not again. He said, I wanted to crawl under a pew. I wanted to run away. But then the preacher said something to me. He said, I know who you are. I know you're who your family is. You have a distinct family resemblance. Uh, you're the son of God. He said those words, I'm a son of God, child of God, lifted my spirit and picked me up. It changed my life and turned me around. And so the conversation finished. Fred Craddock and his wife talked for some. And afterwards, one of the uh, waitresses came over and she said, now, you know who that was? I don't know who it is. He says, you know who that was? That was Ben Hooper, twice governor of Tennessee. It's amazing what that unconditional acceptance will do when we put value on people the way God values them and when we accept them the way God accepts them. That love has power to transform a life. When you are loved in that unconditional way, it changes you. It changes you. Ask Peter. Ask John. Ask James. Ask Paul. Will you be a conduit of that incredible love? If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. 
The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.